Hello and welcome to this week's hungry, hungry episode of <laughs> Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allen. And I'm Michael Tabor. Michael, we've got a little bit of a different pod today going on. What's happening? Well, uh, so we've been trying to think of ways that we here at Shitty Christians can innovate in our podcast <laughs> game. I would say in the podcast game, to be honest. True. Like, to be humble about True. it. True, yeah. Not, not to overstate it, but we are going to get into the fiercely original uh, podcasting <laughs> corner of food reviews you know i just but it's because of our new sponsor food network <laughs> guy fieri's diners drive drive-ins and dives has decided to come alongside of us and start producing some content i would be 100 percent down to have guy fieri involved in this Dude, podcast I, guy fieri's a real one i am i am he's fully like, on board this is not leftist? an original thought i don't think he's a leftist but between some pro bernie shit is he? I could be wrong. <laughs> I'm Googling this Now we right need now. to find out. But aside from that, he's supposed to be a mensch. Regardless. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good dude. Oh, shit. He is a Bernie That's guy. Right. That's right. Guy Fieri, come on, shitty Christian. What the fuck? I know. Guy Fieri is the best. Guy Fieri is the best. I will I... never... No bad words about Guy Fieri. If you don't love Guy Fieri, turn off this turn podcast. Turn off this fucking podcast. But, okay. We had a problem, right? <laughs> yes. Here's the problem. We love Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. Fucking incredible. It's a very good chicken sandwich. We need a solution to our love of chicken sandwiches. Because right. clearly, as you know, as leftist Christians, our yep. most important act of praxis is to not eat a Chick-fil-A because they're homophobic as shit. And they don't even have the good adventures in Odyssey tapes, even when you ask for them. And they tell you you have to buy their kids' meal. I know. It's very upsetting. It's Anyways. not okay. So, in in searching for an unproblematic chicken sandwich, oh, I, please I, save us. I, uh, I please, found... Guy Fieri, make hey, a chicken, make sand, it... chicken sandwich restaurant. Get in the chicken game, Guy. <laughs> uh, Guy Fieri uh, recorded a segment at my work. Really? Yeah. Uh, it was like a whole thing for the Food Network. And uh, if I had known he was a Bernie guy, I would have had very different feelings about that. Yeah. No, I have done a full-on 180. I remember being in high school being like, Guy Fieri sucks. Yeah, look at his stupid hair. No, man. He, it was, I was wrong. I was always wrong. I, I uh, and but you know what? Not unlike so many of our toxic beliefs in in the past, we've come <laughs> forward into the liberational theology of Guy Fieri. That might be a problematic phrasing. No, no uh, that's, that that is not, so, that is the title of the podcast. I am just so grateful to the people over at McDonald's yes. for providing us a solution to the issue of problematic chicken sandwiches. <laughs> because you see, McDonald's is getting it is gunning for Chick Fil A, man. That's right. They have released a brand new chicken sandwich that is specifically sort of targeted. The exact same, you know, potato bun, pickles. The uh, bag looks like Chick Fil A. It's red this and white. This is a Chick Fil A bag. That's they sold the this bag colors. from Chick Fil A and drew, <laughs> drew an M on it uh, in in like bad Sharpie, very like Trump hurricane style. Yeah, so, they, they just all they did was mark over the Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah, they just crossed it out. So we're about to be trying the spicy, crispy chicken sandwich, courtesy of. Our friends and sponsors of the podcast, McDonald's. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. <laughs> Nothing I love more than a, a rainbow, a rainbow golden arches and a sh fighting against the minimum wage at every turn. <laughs> yeah, right. no, this this spicy crispy, crispy chicken sandwich believes that Black Lives Matter. Oh God! All right, let's uh, let's unpack this, shall we? Um, okay. Hmm. Okay. I have opened the chicken sandwich. I am holding. Okay. Chicken sandwich. We both went for the spicy variety, yeah. which I am seeing now mm -hmm. is a sauce that they have squirted somewhat haphazardly on top of the a chicken. Over about 40% yeah, of the chicken. Yeah, yeah. Now, maybe well, it's in the breading. We'll find out. But that does that, not appear to be. But hey, who knows? Let's get in okay. there. Cheers. Right. Cheers. So if it's in the breading, I can't tell. It's not. See? All I right. feel very strongly that it's not. Okay. I'm not even sure that the spiciness is in the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first first impressions, it smells a little sad. There is a there is an unmistakable aura of pain that surrounds this chicken sandwich. Okay, the sadness has a visual component as well. Yeah, that's true. It is it is a smushed ass sandwich. That is true. And I, I only ordered these sandwiches. I didn't I didn't uh, load us down with other <laughs> McDonald's menu items. So there was Which nothing we in tried. there. I tried. I was like, Michael, bring me like. Seven I was like, things. my God, man, we have to do a podcast. We can't be doing <laughs> whole meals of this shit right now. And I was um, like, it'll be charming. And Michael said, Zach, you're never charming. Yeah, that's. That, I do say that a lot. Uh, okay, this is. Um, I'm gonna say it. This is. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the homophobia that makes it taste so good. <laughs> 
But that is a subpar chicken experience. Zach, what are your thoughts? So, yeah, it's just, it's smushed. There's no spice. Mm. No, definitely not. There's some crisp. But it just, it does, like, it generally has an aura of, like, look, man, I'm just, I'm here. I'm trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm doing the best the, I can. The bun, the bun's got no, no heft to it. Yeah, the bun is superior to the majority of McDonald's items, I would say. But it's still, it's not a, it's not a very impressive experience. Um, what else do I have to say about this? You know what? I got to go in for another bite. Mm-hmm. You can edit this out. Mm-hmm. I'm, get, I'm getting into the sauce now. The sauce is spicy. I mean, the sauce basically just tastes like spicy aioli. But at least there's a flavor there, you know? Because mm. so, before the sauce, the sandwich itself is just a little bit flavorless. It's just salty. Like, I'm not really getting much chicken. I'm not getting, like, you know, like I said, like, the chewiness of the bun that you're usually looking for. It's just kind of, like, and the crisp is not enough to sort of counteract it. It's just kind of, like, salt. As is the problem with all uh, McDonald's items, I think the quality of the fundamental ingredients is really cutting against it. The chicken mm. is just not up to snuff. I will say, in defense of McDonald's, a thing that we say <laughs> all the time on this podcast. Our sponsors. We are, in fact, loving it. I will say in defense, we did break the cardinal rule of fast food consumption, which is you have approximately 42 seconds from when uh, the thing is served to you to consume it in its entirety. And oh, instead, yeah. I drove home and we uh, prepped the pod and then we're eating this solidly 20 minutes late, which is right. uh, 20 minutes after the fact, which is to say 22 minutes too late. No, it, it definitely immediately becomes the mummy from the mummy yeah. when, it, it, when, it, when it's exposed to whatever existence and, yeah and becomes dust <laughs> yeah in another 20 minutes this will just be a pile of bones <laughs> it's like oh no sitting in a stolen chick-fil-a bag <laughs> what's your relationship to fast food i assume non-existent deeply erotic <laughs> uh my relationship with fast food it actually is fairly non-existent at this point yeah uh but that is that is only after many 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 years you can't keep eating on the podcast Zachary. No. We can pause if you want to finish the sandwich. But this you is can't part just... of the bet. I'm no, going to finish no. the sandwich. It's really gross. My relationship with fast food, uh, other than, uh, I, I don't really have one anymore, but okay. that is only after decades of my life uh, being deeply involved uh, in, a, in a torrid <laughs> love affair with a variety of fast food franchises across this great nation. Uh, let's see. Starting with my childhood, okay, five years old, uh, just fucking up a play space. McDonald's play oh, space man. was in many I ways my play playground. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about like <laughs> uh, capturing public goods. Fuck a yes. park. I was all up in those little crawl spaces, <laughs> ball pits, things that uh, oh, definitely man. should continue to exist. I can't think of anything more disgusting. By the way, me too. Uh-huh. Like, anything more disgusting than, than a ball pit? Like it really is just the 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 baby hot tubs and you never you never cleaned them a ball pit is our modern american equivalent of the spartans sending you know casting their children into the wolf <laughs> den it's just like well if you can make it out of this you know you'll probably make it look, to adulthood look, did i lose a sibling a staff infection from a ball pit obviously yeah. but didn't everyone yeah of course i would one in three children <laughs> that would be incredible <laughs> uh and then, you know, teenage years, it was around. I don't know. Uh, the thing, the other times what in my life. What were your favorites? Give, us, give us a love affair. Michael in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Little round Michael. What, what was his passion? Uh, okay, I can't really talk about the passions of my childhood because you have no, you have no choice. You have no acceptance. You just have to live your life. But as an adult, <laughs> as an adult I, I have to say um, in and out is good. It is I not like as it good it as people in California think it is, uh, yes. but it is a good fast food burger. I get a little annoyed the, when people... The price, the combo, killer. People try to drop like uh, five guys into this mix, no. and that is just... I'm sorry, that's a different category, Like both in terms of size of burger. The thing with five guys is I can't that's actually get a meal guys. that I like there. That's because, it. Because... All of your burgers are going to be the size of your face. Like, like, <laughs> and then if you want any fries, you must agree to be strapped into a pig trough and eat all of the fries. No, it's like minimum orders eighteen dollars of fries. Also, there's sixteen pounds of them. It's just like I don't what. I I just I it's really actually don't want you to like fill a giant cup, 
put it in a bag and then dump more fries in the bag. Like that's not what I'm looking for. And I just uh, because I am a person who is completely lacking in self control around such things. Right. I'm just gonna eat. I them. know. I know that I'm going to eat these fries and then I'm gonna feel really bad about myself. I used to live when I was in uh, grad school. I lived a block. From Five Guys, oh, very East God. Coast city thing, which is <laughs> yeah. not even a thing we you do in the West Coast as much. Where I could just walk two minutes. So I've spent a lot of time in Five Guys, but I got to be honest, I think I got tired of Five Guys. Yeah, I don't think it's actually that hard to get tired. And of I five don't guys. think it's that good. There's no, I'm, yeah, I mean, like it was I, convenient. Two o'clock in the morning, it was open. Okay, that's troubling. <laughs> <laughs> you get out of the bar, you go to Five Guys. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, it's just it's too greasy. It's, it's too much. It's, and I don't I don't like that many fries. What about you? What do you like? I like In and Out. I sure. do, but I gotta be honest. My one passion, my entire life. Oh yes, okay. Taco Bell, baby. Taco. Oh really? Bell. I love. Listen, the best fast food. We probably both agree is Chick Fil A. I'm sorry, Chick Fil A is still the king. <laughs> Chick Fil A is very good. I fucking love that chicken sandwich. We'll always get it. It's so good. We'll never abandon the homophobic sandwich. I'm sorry. Zachary's officially canceled. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The gays agreed they couldn't abandon it first. But. The thing that really ties my love of fast food together to this day is Taco Bell. My family, we go to Taco Bell whenever I'm home. We went to Taco Bell for Christmas Eve this year, and that's pretty typical. We go get our Christmas tacos. That's really cute that you uh, still do Taco Bell with your family. Uh, That's a ridiculous decision. I still do Taco Bell here, man. I love Taco Bell. I I, I have heard that Taco Bell has a place in certain people's hearts and had better vegetarian options and maybe yes. even like more ethical sourcing but most of my vegetarian friends love taco can't, bell can't do it man you know what is the the all-time great though yes. number one with a bullet okay north carolina regional chain cookout oh fuck yeah that is it you know what we 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 totally agree the strong muscular arm meme your arm my arm obviously strong yep. and muscular cookout middle baby. is cookout five dollars will get you just a platter of food you can get a corn dog as a side you can get hush puppies you can get a cajun chicken sandwich and you can spend five dollars for all that shit first of all i love a fucking corn dog there's not enough corn dogs and i want corn dogs the whole spectrum Mm -hmm. i want to pay 99 cents for a corn dog i want there to be artisanal corn dogs for like 8.99 i fucking interesting pretty much you can sell me a corn dog any way you make it okay i I wish there were corn dog chains the way there are burger chains yeah I i believe in the corn dog chain I believe in the corn dog. I, I believe in the corn dog, corn dog blockchain. We should we should get that going. <laughs> we make a million dollars. <laughs> no, uh, and then and then on top of that, if you're really feeling fancy to cook out, you can have some of the best milkshakes. That the you've milkshakes ever had. are fucking truly good. Phenomenal. <clears throat> they have like seventy flavors, and they're all good. I, I've had like all Heath. of them sometimes in one in one sitting. <laughs> like, oh, Heath, Heath Bar is one of my all time favorites. Is such a fucking good milkshake. Mm-hmm. They also do cherry cobbler. Yes. Not just cherry. They have a specific cherry milkshake, and then they have cherry cobbler. I was going to say. With bits of cobbler. It's so good. Oh, well, my God. It's good. Yeah. Uh, no, the fact that you can go cherry and then say cobblerize it. Of course, they that's not part of their branding. That's just what I say to the guy. <laughs> and then he stares at me, and he sighs real bad. Me and my brother at cookout over Christmas. It was like a religious experience. He got yeah. hush puppies. Oh, hush so puppies. Uh, apologies to the vast majority of listeners to the podcast, but if you were ever in North Carolina... One, get out. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. two, and two, <laughs> eat at a cookout on your way out. <laughs> I can't I can't wait once I get my second shot to go get cookout and see my family. Duh. Uh I, I will say uh, I got a lot of love for my home state. It's just uh also a weird one. Okay. So as much as we, we enjoyed doing a bit here, I think yes. one of the reasons I did want to talk fast food was actually to discuss the uh eight Democratic senators that personally stole the $15 minimum wage from all of America. I, I love the excuses for it. The excuse of like, if we pay these people, prices will go up and then poor people won't be able to afford anything. Here's the thing though. If you pay these people, first of all, that won't happen. But secondly, secondly, then they would have money to pay for these even <laughs> theoretically increased prices. Yeah, no, I think it you was something bitches. like food costs going up 4%. Uh, you know, all of the fear-mongering around, right. around this shit is crazy. Yeah, but- I, I mean, the easiest way it's been used everywhere to disprove mcdonald's they pay their people in scandinavia i think norway specifically but in scandinavia 22 dollars an hour with six weeks of paid vacation a year and full benefits and some of that's provided by the state of course but still and the food is like nominally cheaper yeah are more expensive 
or excuse me, nominally more expensive. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's an obvious canard. It's obviously falsehood. The only thing that this would be cutting into for the vast majority of people is profit. It yeah. is absurd levels of profit. And it's particularly rich that, you know, one, the eight Democrats that voted this way have a collective net worth of $33 million. Yeah, it's in the tens of millions. No, it is $33 oh million. Um Absolutely absurd. And the other thing that blows my mind is there's fucking eight of them. I know. Eight. I, I, I can't stop thinking about that. This group of eight Democrat senators. Like, I'll say this for Mitch McConnell. You would not see eight Republicans going against a plank in the Republican... Uh, this is Biden's platform. Right. Excuse me. They, you would not see eight Republicans going against Trump's platform. Even Mitt Romney, who voted to convict Trump on his first impeachment, voted for Amy Coney Barrett when they had, like, a, like a slim majority. Oh, yeah. Republicans are the best at getting in fucking line. Yeah. Like, it, they, they operate with an ideological purity that is terrifying of course very awful. effective and yeah if you want to tr if you tried to fuck around like this on the republican side of the docket you were gonna wake up in mitch mcconnell's pig farm in pieces like there is no not, way there is no way that they're going to brook that's this not a shit. joke uh really? that is again mitt romney voted to impeach trump and still voted for all of his policies yeah, basically like yeah, the, that's fucking important to remember and you lost 15 percent of democratic senators chuck schumer it blows my mind mostly because uh one they didn't all have to own it. They didn't all have to. No. You didn't, you didn't need eight of them to say no. You just needed, a no you just needed Joe Manchin's bloated face. Yeah, and, and Manchin has definitely gotten a, a huge amount of this. Uh, what was what was the, the girl Cinema. boss? The girl boss senator. I was like on her Wikipedia because I was curious like uh -huh. how to specifically hate her. And I realized, I learned, this is a very Wikipedia thing. She's of Friesen descent. Which is this like kind of weird German thing? Uh -huh. Anyway, all that to say, fuck Friesens. Every Friesen that's ever <laughs> lived can go to hell. Okay. Oh my God! Innovations in the racism game, y'all. <laughs> we're getting we're getting old school on this shit. Friesens have block shaped heads, and they no, I'm kidding. But like, it is just like Kristen Cinema's like she was the one that honestly had the biggest sort of like blowback on Twitter. She like goes up with like, her like big purse and like does a little curtsy, and she goes. Thumbs yeah. down. Bye. I have to go pick up my laundry. Like, it, it was it, so awful. It's got such a vibe. And that my favorite part was then her team coming out being like, it's sexist if you critique her outfit. <laughs> I will like, say, that didn't get much traction, it seems like. <laughs> even in the sure. media. I, I appreciate most people being like, dude, what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it really blows my mind, not because I'm surprised. Clearly right, I'm not, not surprised. But just like how much the Democrats are committed to doing fucking nothing. Eight of 50. How did you, eight of 50 is 15%. That is a significant portion of your people that are just saying out loud, nah, go fuck yourself. And this is for the record. Like we knew, we knew Manchin was going to be the blue. Of McConnell. course. We knew that was going to happen. And like anyone paying attention knew these other people were assholes too. Right. Uh, to varying degrees. All really bad. Uh, but you could not ask for a better indication of just how fucking pathetic the next four years are going to be. And this was all predicted. Uh, Zach, I found a Baffler article written by uh, Tom Sexton of True Lily's fame. Hell yeah. Where he predicts Hell yeah. this basically down to a T in 2018. It's very good. Let wow. me pull it up. All right. So this is him writing about Manchin in 2018. Let's imagine for a second that the Democrats wrecked the Republican shop in 2020. <laughs> Rising star of the left-leaning wing of the party, AOC, now look po looks poised to pass a Green New Deal, even if it features some common-sense concessions and a few too many investments. Beto O'Rourke gets his coronation, having narrowly ousted Bernie on the primary in the primaries on his fuckability alone. Hey, we know who is more fuckable than those two. Yeah, hard okay. disagree, Tom. Hard disagree. <laughs> also, Bernie... Bernie blew Beto out of the water. We all agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so obviously, like, you know, he's spitballing right. here in 2018 yeah, yeah. and, like, having some Still fun with it. Still not a bad guess. But he's creating a vision. It's really not. That, like, came to pass, which is like, hey, this is this is a blue wave. Um, yeah. uh, we're going to end up with uh, leads in, in all three mm -hmm. houses. The uh, centrists are going to take it, though. Exactly. Uh, no, he nails it. He nails it. I'm making a tiny bit of fun, yeah. but he nails it. And then he says, yet even if this hypothetical Fantasia of 2020 comes to pass, there will still be the matter of Democrats fucking around and letting one Joseph Manchin III, a lifelong shill for the likes of DuPont, Massey Energy, et al., become our bulwark against the nightmare future of the rising boiling seas. Ugh. 2018, 
And he's just like, yeah, listen, even if we pull it off, mm. it doesn't matter because Democrats aren't even Democrats. Like, that's and Democrats suck. That's, <laughs> like, that's so well said. You people like, suck and you can't even be your regular level of You suck. know what I can't stop thinking about, aside from the fact that, like, Mitt Romney, quote, unquote, hates Trump, but would go with him. But the second thing is the Amy Coney Barrett hearings where Democrats basically rolled over, mm-hmm. let it happen, and that, that real piercing image and granted the woman is fucking out of her mind but of diane feinstein hugging lindsey graham after the amy coney barrett hearings which were just full-on like we're bringing the nazi in right yep the nazi's coming in are we gonna do anything about it no no that would be crazy why would we do that high five that's right and not unlike cinema when she was going to make her vote mm. tapping mcconnell on the back to be like hey come watch me come watch me do this that was incredible or or in january when kamala harris like Walked by and patted Lindsey Graham on the shoulder. The yeah, guy who basically after. tried to steal the fucking election from me. In the middle of trying to steal it. I just can't stop thinking that, like, there, there's actually just 60 Republicans. Yeah. Like, you know, and there's, they're just, they're Democrats. Republicans are Republicans or Democrats are Republicans. Yeah, Republicans span the ideological, like, gamut from, like, uh, awful you know mm. hyper right wing yeah. lindsey graham style like hyper conservative mm. but like to just out and out nazis right, like that's yeah. your level for republicans Ted Cruz style bog monsters but democrats start at republicans and they might not get to the full <laughs> nazis but they're you know outside of the squad we're looking at a whole lot of republicans and i guarantee you if there was another magical world in which those eight senators were not there there's somebody else that would have stepped up to the plate to quash this legislation i would like there are people that were able to remain silent because they knew it wasn't going to go yeah we're looking at you uh Klobuchar. Like, I was surprised Klobuchar voted for it. And it's like, yeah, but she had 15% of her caucus. Yeah, it was going to guarantee this went down. Uh, It's very upsetting. Uh, You know, if $15 minimum wage uh, is honestly, like, such a small thing. It's just pathetic. By the way, we have it in L.A., and that's great. I'm glad we have it in L.A. But it still feels hideously inadequate here because the lifestyle is so expensive. And there's no state where 40 hours of $15 an hour can like sustain a family no not absolutely one. Not, not one it would make such a huge difference and it would still be so deeply inefficient you know you hear all the statistics but that's still way under productivity we've been fighting for 15 so goddamn long yeah that like the actual number would be much higher at this point i think it's in terms 26 of, but it's around there sure uh in terms of like you know being able to actually value labor in any me- meaningful way and you know obviously we're not fans of capitalism even if it's more ethical right. but we are fans of things being more ethical for as long as they're around no uh, i mean you, this is this is a step a step you have to take and it used to be i mean the minimum wage used to be equivalent to like 20 something dollars an hour yeah. in terms of inflation and that made a genuine difference if you look at the middle class of the 20th century particularly the white middle class of the 20th century those people were able to buy houses with unskilled labor and land like, our parents and our grandparents' generation were able to, like, build a middle class purely because of things like labor protections. I don't like capitalism, but that sure looks a lot better than what we fucking got now. Sure. Uh, there is no such thing as unskilled labor, though. Don't get yourself canceled. <laughs> Believe me, when I say unskilled labor, I only mean myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're talking specifically I, about podcasts. You know what I mean. I, know, I mean I... what the market says is unskilled labor, and we just need to say all labor gets paid X. Yeah. And I know there's no such thing as unskilled no, no, no. I, I wasn't trying to give I, you a hard I, I, time I, 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 uh, <laughs> other than just to, uh, you know, cancel you for the third time this podcast. You Chick-fil-A swimming. Man, I wish I had some Chick-fil-A right later. now. I would, okay. I would be really pleased. Last thing I have to say about Manchin, just looking through this article. Uh, God, I hate his face. I hate him so much. It's just that, like, he's been doing this for well over a decade. Yeah. He's been put- puttering around uh, West Virginia, taking in all the coal money. He's got the highest amount of donations of from coal and energy by a margin of like nearly six figures. <laughs> uh, like just taking all of their money, doing terrible things, fighting against accountability mm. for like shitty chemicals that they release into all of us. Uh, uh, well, his poor home state. I mean, we could do an entire episode about like how fucked over his constituents in West Virginia are. It's real tragic. And it is frankly fucking pathetic that that man gets to claim the name of Democrat. Yeah. And, it, and knowing that, knowing who this guy is and has been for a long time, uh, this whole push that like, well, we got to take Georgia. We got to do it. It's so important to win these two Senate races mm. so that it's Democrats taking all their own I, legislation and they can't instead of Republicans. They got it, yeah. Uh, 
it's fucking embarrassing. And uh, I look, I don't look forward to 2022 because things are just going to get worse. But man, is it going to be a mess when we have uh, the next two years of this just continuing to happen over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's you couldn't get a better... We talk about this a lot, so I'll keep this brief. But you, you can't get a better sort of demonstration of both parties are captured by capital. That, like, in West Virginia, I don't know the exact numbers, but an enormous percentage of them work under 15 an hour. And oh. in Arizona alone, I think it was over 800,000 for Cinema State. You know, like, your constituency, over uh, over 60% of the people that make under $15 an hour are women. Huge, of course, swaths of uh people of color and here's the thing you know what i'm describing is the democratic base and what i'm describing is that they don't work for that because if they did they would have passed this and they would have forced it through and they would have gotten picked up seats in 2022 because in florida they voted for trump and they voted for 15 dollars an hour people struggle and they struggle to understand things through the propaganda of the media but you know what they can get they get 15 dollars an hour and the Democratic Party, when they lost Florida to Trump, didn't support $15 an hour there either. And so, like, let me fucking tell you what. Things aren't going to get better. But that's because they don't work for their own voters. They work for their donors. Preach. Let's move on to the second half of the episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Hold, hold on. I got to do a cold read here. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, I am already feeling so much regret for this bit, both because I'm not sure how it works as content and because I ate a McDonald's chicken sandwich. No, I uh, I was hungry, and so I finished the whole sandwich because I'm disgusting. Mm-hmm. And now I regret that decision. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my so stomach many feels mistakes so gross. Why did uh, that happen? Before we, but Actually, before we get out of there, shout-outs to the people working to unionize uh, McDonald's, yes. uh, Amazon. I, th- I think, uh, as we can clearly see, we cannot rely on electoral systems to provide workers with the things they need to survive. But shout-outs to all the people uh, doing that fight yes. on the labor side. I think that is where we will see more victories in the future, uh, as challenging a process as it can be. And so. in terms of electoralism, it's funny. Bernie feels like he's the only one working for the entire Democrat base. Like, he's only from a small He's the state. one true Democrat. He's from Vermont, but he's, like, the only guy he's trying to represent everyone. Force the vote. It's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> like, Bernie should be such a, like, middle-of-the-road Democrat. Yeah. Uh, like, 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 in Britain, he would just be kind of... Well, okay, Britain's yeah, actually yeah, the wrong yeah. place. In Ireland, he would just be kind of a middle-of-the-road whatever like, party that is. Hey, you get health care, and we want people to be paid decently. And you'd be like, great, that's swell. Uh, like, <laughs> and no, then we got this action- radical revolutionary here. <laughs> I gotta say, I still do appreciate him... Uh, in a good way, doxing those eight senators is fucking yeah, assholes. Yeah, forcing the vote was a good call, uh, specifically because it, I think, makes it very clear who these motherfuckers are. And yeah. I can't believe that all of them decided to own that. <laughs> like, but here we are. Dude. Here we are. Okay, we, we got, have more things to talk about. Let's actually move on. This is, this is uh, late-breaking news in e- the evangelical world. Mm-hmm. This is, this is yeah. the biggest thing to happen in, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know, since the Council of Nicaea. Uh, I'm talking, Whoa. of course— okay. About Beth Moore going from Southern Baptist to Baptist. (laughs) That can be a heck of a drive depending on the church. (laughs) You know what my first thought honestly was? It's like, well, which specific Baptist church (laughs) is she going to? Uh, uh, She's she's a non-denominational Baptist at this moment, but I'll keep you posted. (laughs) I know. I know. Okay. So this is a statement that she put out on Friday stating that she is no longer a Southern Baptist. She okay. says, I am still a Baptist, but I can no longer identify with Southern Baptists. I love so many Southern Baptist people, so many Southern Baptist churches. Incorrect on both counts. Yeah, no. Uh, but I don't identify with some of the things in our heritage that haven't remained in the past. Uh, she also said that she would was recently ending her life, her longtime Whoa. publishing partnership. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, she stated that she was ending her longtime publishing partnership with Lifeway Christian Bookstore, uh, oh, wow. which is under the arm of the SBC, uh-huh. uh, and has. And, and she said that uh, while Lifeway will still distribute her books, it will no longer publish them or administer her live events. So uh, probably the actual thing that matters here, uh, she is their best-selling author of all time. Wait, I didn't know that. Period. Really. Period. Wait, is that okay for ladies to be best-selling <laughs> authors? <laughs> Oh, we're going to get into that. Um, so, 
We have a lot to talk about here, actually, and we're going to try to move through it quickly. But uh, what's interesting about this is that it, it's very hard to even like delineate uh, mm. what is good and maybe much more importantly, what is like not good enough about this decision. Sure. Uh, because whenever you're talking about Beth Moore, it's very hard to get good information that isn't just people screaming at her. It's, it's one of those things that's difficult to Google. It, it genuinely <laughs> like, you know it is, is. It genuinely is. Uh, not like, unlike everything, the, uh, not uh, not unlike Venezuelan politics. Yeah, yeah. No, like uh, <laughs> the New York Times is lying to you uh, just, in both it, cases. It, 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 no, and so it was hard because like, I wanted to get a better handle on Beth Moore's actual theology. Mm-hmm. But when I Google something like Beth Moore complementarianism, what I have is a bunch of people <laughs> shrieking about how she's not really a complementarian. Right. Or, and maybe we can drop this clip in, uh, one guy, missionary... Spencer Smith. Spencer Smith. Missionary Spencer Smith. This guy. I love this clip. It's so good. Um, I think we have to play it. It's long. No, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, He starts off talking about stock markets, then gets into (laughs) how Beth Moore was never uh, truly a Southern Baptist because, or no. Then he gets into how much Beth Moore is terrible because she is a modernist. Uh, he doesn't know what a modernist is. <laughs> That's sad. Wait, wait. T.S. Eliot comes out of the woodwork, <laughs> just stops like dropping some poetry. Beth Moore's tweets get way more interesting. <laughs> uh, goes off on this deranged rant about how like uh, she wasn't fundamentalist enough, uh, which is a big thing for him. Sure. Uh, and then gets to an amazing clip where he talks about where he talks a little bit about one lady liberty. Um, I actually was walking through the airport in New York and found this necklace with Mary and the cross on there, and uh, I actually just picked it up, put it in my pocket, I've had this with me on my desk ever since. Um, guys, I want to tell you, there is this, this these two things that I have here, these are not Christian symbols. These are occultic symbols. There's a rise of the divine feminine happening right now. There is... 2020, there was a shift in the political and economic landscape of the world. In 2021, we are going to be seeing a shift in the ecclesiastical and patriarchal landscape of the world. It's going to happen. It is happening. You say, well, Brother Spencer, that's uh, that's certainly not going to happen. I don't see that. <laughs> okay. Of course, believe whatever you want. You're probably one of those people who actually believes that the Statue of Liberty is a woman. Hmm. Something to think mm-hmm. about. That that is one of my favorite things that's ever happened. <laughs> First of all, did he steal that medallion? I think he definitely did. Right? He didn't say I bought it. He said I picked it up and put it in my pocket. <laughs> like that. You're just, it's, it's it's sort of like auto-riding. You're just confessing to the murder, man. Yeah, I, I think in his mind, because it is an occult symbol. <laughs> they should not get paid for their Yeah, he was doing the Lord's work by stealing it. Ah, uh, uh, yes. The, the, that's what the Lord wants you to do with idols, is steal them. Uh, this absolutely deranged human being, by the way, uh, has over 100,000 subscribers. He dropped this video 18 hours ago. It has 21,000 views. I gotta ask. What does he mean by Lady Liberty not being a woman? I just, I, I want to know. I am the guy he's describing. I, I don't know. About I it. don't know. But what does he mean? My the God. divine feminine is rising and it terrifies him, Okay, Zachary. now I will say, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I want to get in on some of that divine feminine rising. Listen, I'm just, I'm just saying that I would like to see that happen. And I'm not <laughs> quite sure what he means, but it sounds swell. I'd like the divine feminine to smother me with its right. Okay, okay <laughs> calm it down. Uh, so let me get to um, let me get to uh, another quote. This is from Greg Locke, a gentleman who made an appearance uh, in our prophecy episode. He's That's an, right. Also uh, a member, uh, a Southern Baptist pastor. And in the reply to more on Twitter, where she announced this, <laughs> whew, okay, I'm gonna read this, not my words, ma'am. You've honest to God lost your mind. <laughs> no. This trashy rhetoric is why America is in the place that she is. Wait, so Lady Liberty isn't a woman, but America is. You like say, ships. ships are also ladies. I rebuke you in the name of Christ. You are no friend to babies, Israel, religious liberty, or the nuclear family. You know, it's true. I would not consider myself a friend to any of those <laughs> Any things. of those things. Especially fuck, the babies. Fuck you, babies. You're always, this is a call out. 
Final words, all caps, sit down. No way. Yep. Did he really fucking sit? They was, love, they love telling okay. Beth Moore he, to sit down, uh, get back. I mean, our yeah, first time ever discussing uh, Beth Moore was t- in the context of John MacArthur telling her to get back to the QVC shopping channel. That was so weird, but also kind of awesome. Okay, you know what this is? And this is, everybody has taken Donald Trump's tweeting style and reappropriated it for themselves. The use of trashy there yeah, is yeah, such yeah. a Trumpism. But nobody's got the style, the swag that our man did. Sad. That's big, what I have to say to that. Big sad. Big sad. <laughs> and so it's hard. It's hard to talk about Beth Moore in part because... Right. She's constantly surrounded by all of these fucking assholes being yeah. infinitely worse than She's a she lightning is. rod. Yeah. Uh, and she has been that for a long time. Uh, and then on the other the hand... The media is very unfair to her. Now that this has happened, you have a certain segment of like liberal Christianity yes. trying to make her a feminist icon. I've seen some of my lib Christian friends be like, Beth Moore left the SBC. Including the article, Is the Beth Moore Effect a Feminist Awakening? Spoiler alert, if you know anything about Beth Moore's theology, no. No, it is not. Definitely not. 100%. Um, <laughs> or uh, somebody uh, somebody uh, pointing at it, like saying, like, oh, this is the best gift I could have had for International Women's Day. Uh, between this and the uh, Harry and Meghan Markle interview with Oprah, those no, were the two no, things that no, she was really proud the fuck of down. for International Women's True Day. True or not has the only correct take on the royal family and Meghan Markle is that they fucking hate both of them. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I have to say is that nothing could be more powerful than the Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah. Brought to you. This is my own. Oprah Winfrey we're just, Network. We're going to get a sponsor on this, I swear to God. So it... it we need to talk about who Beth Moore is because we've talked some sugar about her. Yeah. I think for good reason. Because she's better than what's around her. And that honestly actually does mean something. And I appreciate her increasing devotion to being a thorn in the side of these fucking ghouls <laughs> that we spend year after yeah. year or week after week screaming about. But, you know, when Beth Moore says something like, I think I'm going to maybe preach on a Mother's Day, they lose their damn minds. And I appreciate <laughs> her ability to make these people lose their damn minds. There, there is something powerful in her ability to do the most milk toast shit. Like, I'm gonna talk on Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> and like thousands of ham colored men in this uh, all across the SBC have strokes. Yeah. No, lose heart attacks. Men die. <laughs> men drop dead every time Beth Moore like, tweets. They like fall out of their vineyard vine shorts and like die on the floor <laughs> of their boathouse. <laughs> and it's funny. And then Michael W. Smith comes and sings at their funeral. Um, <laughs> he probably does. He might. Okay, but I think we're tr- going to try to thread a needle yeah, here, right? I'm ready. Between between uh, obvious virulent misogyny, uh, which he has <laughs> spoken on again, we're going to thread that wait, needle. <laughs> wait, we're, we're we're like in between virulent misogyny. <laughs> okay, and we are always in between virulent misogyny and uh, and and lib woke scolding. That's that's our entire wheelhouse, baby. No. <laughs> If we're going to talk about Beth Moore and why this like can still be a, a thing that I am hopeful for the future of, yes. but uh, why we shouldn't be giving her too much credit, we have to talk about the fact that she has made an entire career out of being a complementarian. Yeah. This is like her huge thing. This is one of her huge things. And I think Beth Moore has She's gone, just the Mitt Romney of complementarianism. She really, really I'm not is. the Trump of complementarianism. I'm the Mitt Romney <laughs> of complementarianism. And that we both believe the same things, but I'm not going to be quite as annoying about yeah, but, it. Yeah, but, and she has done a ton of work to put sort of a like, Sure. Friendly, folksy spin on it, you know, best friends, different roles, but you know, we're all just hanging out and having a good time. Uh, and like, you know what? You, she calls herself a soft complementarian, uh, which is funny because you know what another word. <laughs> she calls herself a pink complementarian. She calls herself a shopping complementarian. <laughs> Uh, no, she calls herself a soft complementarianism. Another word for that is uh, complementarian. Yeah, that's just what it's you're. It's not saying. fucking different. Again, again, compassionate conservatism. You're just you're just using the same words. Yeah, uh, this is this is from one of the many many articles I read about this. Moore has consistently portrayed her personal life as submissive, happily married wife, mother, and grandmother. She suggests that women defying typical affluent Southern patriarchal norms might be in psychological denial of their own femininity. And, the, and it's a self-defense mechanism, since all insecurity is a cover-up for unbelief. Uh, yes. And I, I, you know... It's not great. It's not, it's not 
great. And I think that's an important element to get to this. Yes. Is like, is Beth more better than all of these schools? Yes. <laughs> is she one of the biggest figures in the evangelical world? And it like maybe does matter a little bit that she has taken some of these public stands, you know, for mm. uh, fight for greater recognition of sex abuse in the ministry and stuff. Yes. But she also believes a lot of this stuff. And not Did only she does she believe vote? it, she made a massively successful career out of peddling it yeah. to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of people, mostly women, all across not just this denomination, but the evangelical world. And some of this shit is fucking toxic. And she's still pro-life. Like, at the end of the she day, she's intensely pro-life. She still doesn't believe in, like, you know, that kind of really important female, like, you know, women's rights. Yeah, it, I, 100%. Uh, you could also point to the fact that her own life doesn't really mirror the complementarian values that she so often uh, mm. you know, posits, which, again, is good. Her right. life should not reflect those shitty right. values. However. But it makes it a little weird when you are then positing that this is a good thing for women to go forth and do. Uh, as recently as 2009, she was writing pretty virulent attacks against homosexuality. Mm. And, like, 2009 is not that long ago. Okay, so this is she wrote in a book that he, meaning God, is showing me some things about sexual strongholds, citing promiscuity, pornography, and homosexuality as undermining the sanctifying work of Christ. These people love porn. They talk more about porn <laughs> than can't. friends I know who like are sex workers, basically. Yeah, <laughs> who, no, like, I, who like literally work in pornography. Yeah, yeah. Like. People that uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to keep going on that, but. Uh, she, she has deleted a passage from her, the electronic version of that same book where, that called homosexuality another deadly assault of the evil one in our society. Mm. Not great. Mm. Also removing the statement, God can indeed deliver you uh, and, and that complete transformation is possible. Which is sort of a wink and a nudge to conversion therapy. Yeah. Which, which she uh, says, I have witnessed it with my own eyes. No, stop. And again, so we're talking about really harmful ideology and yes she did go back and remove those passages and that is one from her ebook the ebook version (laughs) and that is not nothing but it's pretty close to nothing yeah it's it's not nothing but it's basically nothing it's basically nothing because there's a big difference between quietly removing Mm. a passage that showed your hand a little too much from the ebook version (laughs) and publicly saying like hey i got this really wrong yeah of course a lot of harm has been done here. Uh, one more thing we should cover before we get to conclusions. Uh, she's pretty fucking rich. Well, yeah. Again, the best-selling Lifeway author of all time. That you can go on cruises. Uh, Beth Moore nice. cruises. Oh, you mean with Beth Moore? Sorry. <laughs> I just got excited. You I can go we on going. cruises I we now, going. Zachary. No, I thought we were going on a cruise, Michael. I, I get, Okay, here's a moment for this. Cruises are fucking terrifying. Never been on one. I would never. I would never well, okay. go can, on a cruise. Okay, can you imagine post-COVID, even with the shot, being like, I'm going to go on a cruise. Like, some of the early harbingers of COVID. Yes, yes. Like, people were just dying on cruise ships. No, they they were just floating morgues for a while. (laughs) Like, it is is fucking insane to me. But even before that, there's no laws. You get sick, they're going to lock you in a room. People die all the fucking time. But Uh, maybe that's the fun part. There are no laws. You get to lock people in rooms. Oh, God. No, cruises genuinely fucking terrify me, especially because these are all like American-owned and run companies mm. that uh, get a flag from some country oh, yeah. with no laws and legislation, and then just tell you like, "Hey, uh, good fucking luck." It's always the most terrifying country. It's always it's always something like Somalia. Every cruise <laughs> is the Hunger Games with the buffet. Every single one. Okay, but that sounds cool. No, like, I'm I I could like get, eat some food and like duck <laughs> around the buffet and then then use my bow and arrow skills. Fuck cruises. Okay, Beth Moore <laughs> is pretty rich. Uh, and, like, again, we need to be intentional about saying all people that use ministry to make massive, um, you know, multiple, multiple yes. millions of dollars for each other are fucking assholes, not just when women do it. Uh, <laughs> but we can also say <laughs> women be making millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing that gets me about Beth Moore's specific, uh, you know, personal yes. fortune is that um, she, she tries real hard to, like, not really play that hand. She's not a prosperity gospel preacher. Right. And so what she's constantly doing is trying to do this sort of, like, folk, faux folksy thing with her mm, life. Yes, the Kelly um, Loeffler is, is what I call that. So she uh, is talking about they moved to a, a slightly more rural area of Texas out of the city. She's... Um, she you moved says, from Dallas to Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so three years to the day later, we're making it out in these modest woods. There's acres. These acres would not be beautiful to everybody, but they're beautiful to us. Life has been brand new out here. I won't kid you. It's been an adjustment. 
a lot less eating out, a lot more cooking, a lot more driving to work, the cars stay filthy, the raccoons won't stay out of the trash, and FedEx can never find us. But we don't mind, because it was time to make a move. For us, it was out where the dawn breaks the crow of a rooster. I, you can't see it, dear. My eyes are rolling deep into my head. Yeah, so you've got... You, First just, of all, my parents live on a compound in the middle of nowhere, so yeah. shut the fuck up, lady. <laughs> Uh, the, the specific home that she is referring to is a 46-anchor enclave oh. on, a, on a private road, two houses built on it with a total of seven bedrooms and seven and a half baths, custom outdoor kitchens and fireplaces, a combined square footage of 6,600 oh, square feet. It's 6,600, huh? Yeah, between two houses because she's got hers and her family's, uh, her in-laws, and assessed by Harris County, Texas at $1.8 million. Uh, what I love about this... Is she's describing where my parents live at first, and she definitely lives in the Righteous Gemstones mansion. Yes, yes. She is just she is running around with a pickle in her mouth the entire time. Uh, and so I think it is it is just a little fucking rich. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be portraying this as like just just me and the raccoons out I'm here. I'm just doing some, me some down home cooking, you know, every day. Can't pay nobody. Bring me some food. Got to got to make the scrapple. Fuck off, lady. I I don't appreciate Southern minstrelsy. Exactly. I don't ever exactly. fucking appreciate poverty, poverty, poverty a face. Like, the best you could say about this is that I appreciate that she understands that she has to lie about it. <laughs> yeah, she's smart enough. She's smart than all these other motherfuckers who don't. Yeah, but she ha- also like, has a long-standing also history a of, worse. like, going on jo- Joyce Meyer's program, <laughs> you know, a, a hardcore prosperity gospel, uh, teacher, not preacher. Right. you know, we're staying in the lanes, but... Uh, and so I think there's there's something a little frustrating about yeah. uh, the amount of wealth that has been amassed, not because, uh, you know, clearly she's some form of talented to be able to write all these books and, and build sure. this whole thing, but because so many of the freedoms that her personal life enjoys are yes. not things that she has advocated for, for people in her denomination, at least, you know, the denomination no, she was in until poor, five seconds ago. Most like, of those women are going to be poor folks who are dependent you know other forms of income and she has been able to uh functionally be a preacher which again i'm not saying this in this vealer that shouldn't happen i'm saying yes that should happen while never standing for all the women that have fought battles to actually get to be preachers what we're actually acknowledging here and i hate to do this is that her enemies get one thing right and this is often true your enemies usually knock you get you get you correct Mm -hmm. at the core of you she did the preacher thing because she was popular and she was rich enough but she kind of winked at it being like, I'm not really a preacher. Yeah. And that actually is dishonest. Yeah. And that actually isn't fair. And you should actually leave and go to a place where you can be a preacher. A person with that size of a platform could have said so much by being like, no, complementarianism is bad. Right. And instead, we get this wink nudge. Oh, it's just nice. It's just, it's soft. It's the softest she, complementarianism you could ask for. And she's essentially doing a little bit of a Kirsten Cinema thing. She's using the power given to her by other women mm-hmm. to not, to slam the door behind her. You yeah. know, she didn't open that door for other women. She opened it for herself. And I'm not saying she shouldn't have opened it for herself. I'm saying she should have kept it fucking open for others. Yeah, she should have used that power and platform to stand for others. And instead, she, yes. she did the opposite of that. Now, she has offered what I an apology of sorts. And I, I do... Okay. I want to be clear. Yeah. I, I think that... She's complicated. I'm Let's very curious here. what yeah. comes next for Beth. Me too. I'm not impressed by what's happened so far, but I'm very curious what comes next. But in 2018, uh, this is sort of post the Trump era, which she describes as a big turning point mm-hmm. for her, uh, seeing all of these evangelical figures that like, you know, threw in even harder for Trump after Access Hollywood. Uh, and so she wrote a, what she called a letter to my brothers. Um, she says, finally, I'm asking that you would simply have no tolerance for misogyny or dismissiveness towards women in your spheres of influence. I'm asking you for deliberate and clearly conveyed influence toward imitation of Christ and his attitudes and actions towards women. And I'm also asking for forgiveness, both for my sisters and my brothers. My acquiescence and silence made me complicit in perpetuating an atmosphere in which a dam- damaging relational dynamic has flourished. I want to be a good sister to both genders. Every every paragraph in this letter is toward that goal. Yeah, okay. I, I want to know what that means. Yeah, more. I think that's it, because that that's pretty much what's been said up to this point. And it's like, hey, listen, that is sort of an acknowledgement, but in both the way that you like called out the Southern Baptist Convention on your way out the door, talking about like these historical ills that haven't been fully addressed, and in this apology, you're not actually naming the harm. Yeah, I, I want to know what she means. Yeah. Because she doesn't mean I'm no longer a complementarian. No. Uh, and she doesn't mean I said horrific shit about gay people. It's... Here's the thing with Beth Moore. 
that I kind of can't shake, mm -hmm. and this is going to be a little more critical than we've gotten, is that, like, I kind of feel like she's being a little bit Democrat, liberated about this. Sure. She's against Trump talking about the grab him by the pussy. She's against the sort of, like, talking about, you know, sort of women and groups of color and just fearless, disgusting terms. Again, don't do that. We're obviously against that. Yeah, but I don't think she is actually for it. She hasn't given me any evidence of seeing this as a systemic issue that needs to be changed systemically. She wants to change the aesthetics of it. She wants guys to stop being so damn mean to your wives. She wants the church to stop saying such awful things about people. She doesn't want to change what they're actually doing to these groups. At I the think, end of the day, I don't really care about that. Yeah. No, you don't get credit for baby steps. And again, maybe this is the start of a path that sure. has been going on for a few years in various ways and will continue. And next year we're going to be talking about like how Beth Moore led a, a, a women-backed <laughs> revolution uh, to take over, you know, uh, take down the Republicans from the inside. And that, that'll be great. I'm really looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but your words and your platform, which mm -hmm. are immensely powerful, yes. have done great harm. And you're going to need to own that a little bit more, just a little bit more, because there are people on the other side of this. They're the gay sons and daughters mm. of the women you trained. There are the gay women that read your Bible studies and felt like they fucked up. Something was wrong with them. That you promised a solution, and that solution was conversion therapy. Ugh. Like... There are women who don't ascribe to the gender binary that even outside of your complementarian politics, you have loved mm. to, uh, uh, you know, prop Rarify. up. Yeah. And I think in general, there's a lack of acknowledgement that I agree. She doesn't, she doesn't like how virulently racist the SBC is. Sure. Good. Yeah, uh, cool. Let's acknowledge the ways in which standardized orthodox SBC theology is those things. Right. Let's acknowledge the ways in which uh, you can't have complementarianism without abuse of women. Totally. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, that these things inform each other and, and are each other. And I think it's especially rich given uh, that uh, we have seen a couple high profile, you know, black Southern Baptist ministers leave mm. in the wake of the seminary professor's absolutely absurd statement on critical race right. theory, where they were just like, this Marx is coming for our Bibles. Oh man, uh, a thing that Marx did not do. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then like these prominent uh, black pastors said, ah, fuck it, we're out. Uh, yeah. Probably in nicer words. <laughs> Uh, but it didn't get the same response, no. did it? And like, and it cost them more because they don't have the same platform. Of course, they don't have the same best-selling author of Lifeway books. And so, like, no, I'm sorry. Like, you don't you don't get uh, credit for your retirement to your 46 acre estate. Yeah, your two million dollar home in um, Texas, which if it was uh, assessed at that by the tax guy in Texas, cost a lot more. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. I I hope this is a first step. Yeah, me but too. man, it's not of much of a step. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it's. As much as, like, I am very sympathetic to all of the bullshit that is <laughs> thrown at this totally anodyne person constantly, day in and day out. My goodness. Uh, I, I, I hope more comes. Hey, unlike the SBC, we don't want more to sit down. We want her to stand up. <laughs> I would like her to take I, the I, lead. I, I, I really don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not going to try to fix that I personally would shit. like to sit down. And, like, hang out in the kitchen. Uh, you take the lead, Pat. I think that's pretty much all I have to say about yeah, that. The one thing uh, is that there have been uh, some more liberal crowing being like, if you're losing Beth Moore in the mm -hmm. SBC, you know, that's that's going to mean terrible things for your denomination. It's like, dude, they have been trying to kick her out for years. This is exactly <laughs> what they want. Like, what are you talking about? Nobody is going to treat this as anything but a victory. And, like... I'm sorry, she is not going to be the Pied Piper that leads people away from the Southern Baptist Convention. They're doing a pretty good job of that all yeah, on their own. That's demographic change as it is. Anyways, uh, Zach. One more thing. Let's bring this home about a woman who I think had some really good ideas. A woman. <laughs> you want to talk about some non-toxic That theology. was not problematic at all. Uh-huh. Saint Maud. Saint Maud. I really, I did really enjoy this. Okay, tell, tell, tell our listeners what this so is. Saint Maud's a British horror movie. Uh, put out by A24, made by somebody else, but they, they distributed it. And it is about a young woman who becomes a home care nurse after something fucked up happens in her past as a regular ass nurse. Yeah, some sort of medical trauma thing, thing going wrong. And she has sort of taken to a life of high religiosity, converted to Catholicism, and she's Welsh, so you know she's weird. Yeah, and... and even more specifically, I think in many ways has created her own sort of religious yes. practice out of, there's a lot of Either. Catholic aesthetics, yes. but like clearly she is following her own path of well, extreme is... religious devotion, Yes, but it's mostly in her own head. 
And so she becomes the home health care worker for a woman who's in basically hospice care. She's dying. She's on her last. Aging dancer. Yeah. Uh, sort of a libertine soul. Yeah. Wants and to go out with a bang or two. So Maud, nice, would like to save her soul. Now. Yes. It is a horror movie about a nurse trying to save her patient's soul, which is a great premise. Yeah, it really is. Things go predictably awry. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, Zach, what was your experience like with this movie? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect movie, but for a debut feature, first of all, gorgeously directed, well acted, very well put together. Eighty minutes. Fucking love an eighty-minute horror movie. Every movie should be eighty <laughs> minutes. I, I need a. I agree. I watched the one that was one hundred and seven yesterday, and it wouldn't fucking end. I just. Horror. I need the eighty-minute cut of every movie in existence. <laughs> Godfather <laughs> Part Two. Fuck you. You only get one part. That's the other thing. You can't split it up into two movies. No more trilogies. So six hours. Of no more extended universes. Okay, you get eighty minutes, Marvel. Show me what you got. I hope you can get every fucking Avengers movie. It's just in there. eighty minutes of laser shooting. Just to be at clear, each other. I'm still not gonna watch that shit. But uh. <laughs> No, 80-minute movies is perfect. I love an 80-minute I can do movie. something else with my day. I can go That's think thoughts right. about uh, horrific spiritual practices. Uh, okay, so without getting into spoilers, yeah. uh, Maud's sort of religiosity uh, carries her sort of further and further afield, yes. and, and she has some, uh, dare I say, ecstatic experiences along yeah, the way. Yeah, she does. Uh, but it actually, like, I was a little disturbed how familiar some of her behavior mm -hmm. felt. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this idea of, like, searching for God's voice and needing to hear God and interpreting yes. the world around you as, like, signs and signifiers. Like, even before things get really and truly deranged, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just being a teenager in the church. Yeah. <laughs> I think what it really spoke to for me, particularly in the sort of the, the Anglo sphere of Christ Protestant Christianity, I know she's supposed to be Catholic, but I think it speaks to a post-Protestant culture. She is the thing that really touched me living in LA and in America as a sort of Protestant was like how alone she constantly is. Yeah. Even at work, but particularly like she is almost always by herself. She is in this like what's supposed to be collective religious movement and she's always alone sort of sifting through the world and these beliefs. Just, she's going to God because she wants somebody there for her. Yeah, and I think it's an important context for that. This is a relatively new conversion to her. Right. This is a this is a religious uh, conversion that she experienced in the wake of trauma. Yep. And one of the things, you know, the, the, the film's pretty impressionistic. You can yep. pull a lot of different themes from it without mm -hmm. it preaching any of them too intensely, the thing that it says most clearly is that Maude has been abandoned. Yes. That she experienced this yes. trauma and nothing in her life, none of her friends, mm -hmm. uh, no family, no uh, government institutions. Like right. she's cut from her job. She lives in a shitty, you know, looks like government assisted oh, yeah. flat. Yeah. Uh, she works alone. She lives alone. She thinks alone. And in that loneliness, she finds something to connect with. And that thing is terrible. And it is in many ways about uh, how people dealing with trauma without these things in place uh, can end up in some weird places. And in many ways, this is... I, I watched this and I was like, oh my God, this is an incel movie. And that's one of the things I thought was so cool about making an incel movie about a young woman. And like, the movie doesn't... like. It's really about alienation. Yeah. And this is the thing that Chapo hits so constantly. But, like, our entire world is alienated. Even before we got had to mandatorily stay in our homes for a right. year just to try to fucking survive right. a, a plague that was preventable. Like, even before that happened. That's right. We, li we live under the alienation of capitalism. Like, at best, at best, we are getting by. And without getting too, too much into it, the ending... You want the ending, things go awry. It's a horror movie. You can fuck it into it, that. But I wanted her to be right. Not because I think the movie is like this disturbed woman is correct. Mm -hmm. But because she has nothing. Mm. Because everything society has taken every single thing from her and said she is valueless. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, so I wanted her to actually have it. Have the moment. Yeah. 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 You uh, want grace because she would have literally nothing. Yes. Uh, and I, I think that's why in the middle of the movie, without giving too much away, she kind of like has a fallback to sort of earthly, earthly sort of moments. And like she is going out in the world and drinking and fucking just briefly. And that's a little bit of a spoiler, but you're fine. And I actually think that is really important because it's the only value she has in the world. The only connection she can have yeah, to people. Yeah, the only time she can meet is like, with people. Is like giving this part of herself that she doesn't even necessarily want to do. It's like offering sex is the only value she is given as a young woman. And that's just... 
God damn, it was really depressing. Yeah, I think there's a there's a really sad part about two thirds of the way through the movie. Again, not super important for spoilers, but it's like the one time when like a former coworker checks in on. Yes. Him. And like you can feel, you just so desperately want in that moment for that to be a connection that saves Maude. Mm-hmm. Like the friend, mm-hmm. uh, clearly you know a little bit bumbling, but like right. cared enough to show trying. up at her flat and like trying to interact with her. And you can just see in that moment that like nope, Maude's just a little too far gone. She's she is walking this path now and it will lead to its inevitable conclusion but you so desperately want for her to be like yeah let's go get a coffee let's talk yeah. like let's let's uh let's let's take a breather and uh and that's the only non-transactional it's the only non-transactional uh conversation she has in the entire fucking movie yeah. and it's too late and it's not quite enough and that's why i like the movie actually has stuck with me pretty well for that because i keep thinking about like so many relationships and so much it's like the only interaction you can have with people is transactional yeah and that that really really spoke to that i think i think it's definitely worth worth a watch yes. uh, you know be warned it's a horror movie horror things happen there's some yeah. some creepy body horror elements like mm-hmm. yeah shit gets nasty at a couple points uh it's a little sexy here and there Ayo, uh, yeah, uh, it coined the director coined the term Christgasm nice. as, a, as, as a description of something that happens in the movie. Do with that what you will. Um, <laughs> but uh, definitely, I think enough there that connected with my, uh, you know, broken evangelical brain. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember being 16 and mm. like seeing and he- like thinking that God was speaking to me through like random shit that was happening. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, or at least wondering if, you know, how am mm-hmm. I supposed to delineate the will of God in every fucking decision that I make? And uh, I think uh, I think it has some powerful things to say about that uh, while making a really compelling case for why we need uh, better social systems in our society. It really does manage to hit both. It feels like a very sort of like British American sort of film in that way. It's uh, speaking to a very religious society in capitalist decline. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think it's... As far as shitty Christians recommended movies, it's Saint Maud and God's Not Dead Three. That's the entire list. Okay, let's get out of <laughs> let's here. Get out of here, man. Uh, my name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And tune in next week for a very special guest. Uh, and uh, if I could ask you to do two things uh, before we see you next week, it's dismantle capitalism from the ground up and rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks so much. <laughs>